0: welcome to the living word the radio broadcast ministry of living word church i'm sarah joly manuel i'm the minister of living word church we've been talking about christianity in the in the past few weeks it's a series about christianity exactly what is christianity because there's a lot of um, there is a lot that we see today that are not necessarily representative of um, of our lord jesus christ and christianity I always say, and I always insist, is not just another faith of the world. It's just not another one we look at and think, okay, I'll choose this religion. It's convenient. No, it is very inconvenient, as a matter of fact. Christianity is not a, a walking up the easy street, as unfortunately a lot of people tend to see it. Because around me, I see people who um, say they're Christians, and. Um, when you ask them what the basis of their Christianity is, they say, because, oh, my my, my grandparents were Catholics and, uh, you know, my parents, you know, they obviously my parents are Catholics as well because they got it off their parents. And so I'm Catholic or oh, I'm Anglican. I go, oh, really? Right. So do you go to church? Uh, no, 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 no. I don't do church and all that. But uh, I, I got married in church. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I got married in church. Oh, I, I was christened when I was a baby. You know what? The baptism of babies is uh, total shambles. There's no need for it because it is meaningless. It's got absolutely no meaning. Because what a baptism is our public, our public um, submission to Christ. That's what it is. It's just it's a sign. That's not what gets us to heaven. So these people are under the misapprehension that they will be going to heaven when they die because they were baptized as babies. No, they wouldn't, because um, before you can be a Christian, you need a personal commitment to Christ Jesus. You need a thorough understanding of what the cross of Christ means, what his death means to you personally, what his death means to you as a person, and you're making that commitment. You want to admit. You are admitting your sinfulness. You were born into sin, you've lived a life of sin, and now you're coming to Jesus for forgiveness. So that's it. And I don't see any babies being conscious of their sins, or being aware of it, or admitting their sinfulness, you know. So, or, or a baby publicly wanting to own up to, uh, to um, proclaim Jesus Christ, or submit to Jesus Christ. So you see, it's a very futile practice. Uh, that is carried out by by the uh, the Catholic Church and um, the Anglican Church. I don't know who else does it, but those two are prominent for it. Uh, they're probably the only ones who get into such silliness. I mean, well, there are all sorts of things. With The Mormons, they, they baptize for the dead, and all such ridiculous ideas. Now, anyway, so um, people think automatically that makes them Christians, because they were baptized at birth. And then, of course, we have those who... Um, not being committed Christians think a church is a nice place to get married anyway because you know, they like the building, they think it nice in their photos and all that. They like the ceremonies. So they show up also. I mean, that's usually a Catholic, Anglican thing. Unfortunately, the Anglican and Catholic churches are absolutely out of step with the doctrine of Christ Jesus. So, of course, they can practice all those things, and they, they would accept people for, for burials and perform funerals for people who never bothered to attend church all their lives. All this nonsense. And, you know, people, I don't know what the grieving relatives at such funerals believe. They think, oh, well, he's gone to heaven now because we, we, took, him to, we, we took the, the bodies to church and all that. It's, it's a whole load of nonsense. That has got nothing to do with Christianity. And if you did, if you do talk to the people who are participating in those things, you know, they will tell you, well, it's tradition, isn't it? Well, I am telling you now Christianity is not a tradition. It's not a tradition. And it is, the church is not a place you just drop by. Oh, look at that church over there. Isn't it beautiful? So you just drop by in it. No building is a church. Buildings are not churches. Buildings are meeting places for the church. Now, the church of Christ is one. So now, I know there are so many denominations, and everybody's thinking they're different to the other. Well, I mean, there are differences. There are notable differences. But quite honestly, I mean, I look at the whole thing, and the conclusion is very simple. A church is either the church of Christ, or it is a church belonging to Satan. Simple. Now, I'm not talking about the church of Satan, or something like that, you know, the actual Existing cult, but I'm talking about churches who claim to be a part of Christ and are not. You cannot be a part of Christ's body and work, uh, and work in opposition to His commands. You cannot be a part of Christ's body and set up your own doctrines. Such doctrines, the Bible calls the doctrine of demons. There is no neutral ground. I will always say that you are either for Christ. Or you're against him and when you're against Christ you are for Satan whether you admit it openly or not He is powerful and he, he, he wields an amazing force in the world and do you know what the only people who can contend with Satan, who can rise against Satan, and it's not rising by saying, oh, I bind you and I throw you in the abyss and I do this and I cast you into the land of no and all the foolish mouth empty words that are being mouthed every day by... Uh, conf- uh, well, so-called Christians, you can't. If you had the authority to bind Satan, he would not be running around now. Because you know what? For centuries, people have been binding him ahead of you. So, you know, it hasn't made any difference. And anyway, if you bound him last week, why are you still binding him this week? Who, Who loosened him? We don't have that kind of authority. You know what the Bible says to us? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You resist the devil. You resist every evil notion of your own mind. And submit to the leadership of the infilling Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit will only infill you if you truly belong to Christ Jesus, and that's what we're going to find out today. Because the easy believism that is being touted for as Christianity today is leading many people nowhere. Unfortunately, the situation is um, more serious than um, than is seen because it's not enough that. Um, We just go waste your time and all your money and everything in church when you are not truly saved. You see, it's not that simple as, you know, you're just wasting your time. If it were just a time-wasting thing, maybe I wouldn't bother to talk about it. But what bothers me is the loss of the soul. Because if you're not truly saved, you're wasting your time going to church, paying your tithes, sowing seeds of faith or whatever it is you're being encouraged to do. All of it is futile and a waste of time. If you are not submitted to the Lordship of Christ, you do not belong to Christ Jesus. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If you are led by your own carnal spirit, if you are not in submission to the will of God, if you are not in submission to the authority of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. It doesn't matter how much you go to church. It doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized, you know. As I heard a preacher say some time ago, he said, you can be baptized so much, you can be thrown so many times into the river Jordan, so, so much that the tadpoles know your national insurance number. You still do not belong to Christ. Baptism does not get anyone salvation. No, it's not. The only way to Christ, to God, the only way through Christ, is through full submission to Jesus. There is no other way. And last week I mentioned, you know, how other religions of the world, you know, they require you to do this and uh, do certain things, certain works in order to be saved. And then they cannot give you any assurance. They can't give you any guarantee. So you do those things and hope for the best that when you die, you will make it to heaven. (laughs) In Christianity, we have assurance. Once you belong to Christ, you know your salvation is assured. You know. We don't have to worry about it. I go to sleep every day, knowing full well that if I don't wake up into this into this world again, I will be rising with Christ. I will be waking up in the presence of the Lord. And it delights me. I'm not terrified of death. I'm happy to go whenever the Lord, you know, sins feet. It's up to him. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's his authority. There's nothing I can do about it. And there's nothing I want to do about it anyway. Let's face it. I mean, what is there in this world? I do not love the world or anything in the world. And that is the command we have in the Bible. 4 John 2 from 15 to 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. So, I don't have any romantic affair with this world such that I cannot live it. Rather, I am hopelessly in love with heaven. And I look forward to that day when I'm going to see the Lord of my life. The one who rescued me from judgment and hell. The one who gave me life eternally. So now, I know there's no dying. As far as I'm concerned, I will not die. I cannot die. I'm going to live forever. Even as my Lord Jesus lives forever. Even as God is from all eternity to eternity. I also will abide forever. I know it already. It's guaranteed. It's assured. I've got no reason to doubt or fear. And I don't have to do any nice things. Or any good works. Now, don't mistake that from... um from living for Christ, because you have to live for the Lord. We are saved unto good works. We are saved for that purpose. We we, we we don't do the works first and then get saved later as a result of the works we've done. No, we are saved so that we can then do the works which God prepared for us in advance to do. That's what it says to us in Ephesians um, Chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the works of God have already been there, been established from time immemorial. But we don't do them, you see, when we are of the world. Because we cannot. We have no idea. We have no clue. We are not in submission to God. We are not in submission and as such, you know, we do our own thing even as the bible says in romans chapter 8 verse 5 it says those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires the mind of sinful nature is de- uh, sinful man is death but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace the sinful mind is hostile toward god it does not submit to god's law nor can it do so those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Very simple. Very simple. So, of course, none of us was pleasing to God. We, none of us could please God of our own accord. We had no idea, although we thought we knew it all. We had no idea who we were, what we were supposed to be doing, until we came to Jesus. And that's the problem. That's the malaise of the people of the world today. They think they're smart. They think they've got it all made. They think they're intelligent. They love science and technology. You know, now they're advanced. The world is murdered and people think they've got it all made. Yet, yet be- beneath all the facade of the beautiful bodies and the makeup and the money and the glamour and the fame and all that, beneath that you find absolutely shallow and empty humans Tormented by sorrowful uh, by sorrowful existence, sadness, dissatisfaction, discontent, unfulfillment. There's a nasty void in there that can only be filled by God the Father, the Creator. You want to be detached from your Creator? You cannot have a happy life. You can Try and do things to make you happy, but how long do they last? How long have you been battling it? We've got all the drug addictions, and the people think they've got it made, they know what they're doing, they're in control of their own lives, not in control, addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to money, addicted to sex, addicted to all sorts of things, and you think that's control, that's not control, that's under the control of Satan. No, you're not in control, absolutely on the contrary. So, forget about that, let's go back now, for the time being, so I don't digress, into Christianity, so you're a Christian, good. How submitted are you to the Lord? Because it's not just another you know religion where you just do as you please, you're accepted by name, and that's it. That's all that's needed. You identify with a certain church, and that's it. Who cares what you identify with? A church is not an independent body. The Church of Jesus Christ is the collection, the body of people who believe. In the saving grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The church of Jesus Christ is this people all over the world. There is only one church. So when you start hearing all sorts of things, oh, no, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Church of this, the Church of that, I don't know what that's all supposed to mean. It's not the biblical meaning of church. The biblical meaning of church is the body of Christ. You see, but the selfishness of man is what has created all these ridiculous denominations and all sorts of things and selfish ambition. That's all part of what's involved. The Church of Christ is one. There is only one Christ. There is only one God, the Father. And He's had only one Son. Only Well, only one begotten Son. The rest of us come to Him as sons by adoption through our submission. And that through the only begotten Son. No other way. There's no shortcut you can't climb over the fence into the vineyard of God. It doesn't work that way. You need to enter. And you know how you need to enter? It's not just strolling in, you know, the easy way. You, Jesus is Lord, so there you go. That's that done. No. You have to enter through the narrow door. Hmm. Now, what's this narrow door? Jesus said it very clearly. He said, um, he, he had he counseled us. And believe me, it is counsel worth paying every attention to. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Have you found it? Because, you see, it's not just uh, that small gate, and narrow path, is um, hardly visible. Because um, it is overshadowed by the wide gate and the broad road that leads to destruction. And everybody's thronging through that one. Oh yes, everybody's going through it. It is very wide. It is wide enough to accept it, to, to, to accommodate everybody. That is the way of the world. That is the way the world is going. But then Jesus said, that is going to lead to destruction. Many are entering through it. He said, but only a few, only a few find the small gate. And the narrow path that leads to life. Only a few find it. That means you have got to seek it. So it's not enough that you're Christian by, by heredity. Or you're Christian because you're affiliated to certain church. Or you're affiliated to certain pastor. I mean nowadays the name of the pastor is, uh, is held in higher exaltation than the name of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's not by virtue of you belonging to a particular church. I mean, even churches nowadays, they're having nicknames. Ooh, I'm a redeemer. I'm a wiener. All that associated to the names of the church. What on earth are you talking about? The social clubs we've got today that are, are called churches. Social club. Where you're told, you're not told about your sinfulness. There's no need about for you to repent. You know there's no need for you to submit to the Lordship of Christ. All that matters is you come in, you pay your tithes, sow your seeds, bring your offerings and just confess Jesus is Lord. That's all. It doesn't matter then. You can carry on all your immoral, depraved lifestyle. It doesn't matter because, you know, we don't want to upset you, do we? So you come in there, you dance like crazy because we have got a beautiful, great, big choir organized that plays astonishing music you know so you come in there it doesn't matter if um, as females you you, your bodies are half covered you've got tattoos all over the place eyelashes as long as my fingers you know all artificial things all over the place looking just a little just a little less than Jezebel but it doesn't matter just come in and have a good time Hmm? that's what church a lot of what is called church today is that's not church You're not a body of Christ, living in such immorality and depravity. You're not part of the body of Christ. You're not. It's not just by saying it. You've got to live it. That's why the Bible says to us that our faith without deeds is useless. You've got to live like a Christian. The word Christian means a little Christ. When you stand in front of the mirror now and look at yourself, from the outside, do you even have the physical appearance of meekness and humility? Of a gentle soul, a gentle spirit. Do you have it? And then let's look on the inside. Ooh, that's the worst of it all. Dark as anything. Full of all kind of all kinds of vileness and malice and selfish ambition and greed and covetousness and immorality and, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Do you think? I mean, is that as far as you know? As far as you have read about Jesus, if you ever bother to read your Bible, because most people are now just—they're happy enough for to listen to just what the pastor says. You know, they're happy enough to do that. They're not. um, they don't have to open their own Bibles. They bring it along to church, yep. Carry it ever so piously when they get out when they step out of the car or you see them in the bus stop. They carry their great big Bibles under their under their arms and all that, but that's as far as it goes. Get into church and the pastor tells you, quote something where something is really nice. God talks about a blessing, and that's it. You whistle and you clap, you applaud the pastor. Well spoken, brother, yeah, preach it. And you do all that nonsense, you know, and then you go back home and shut your Bible. That's it the next time, anyway. Until the next time the pastor gives you another catchy phrase from the bible you're wasting your time you're supposed to study the word of god so you can get to know god and get to know what his will for you is get to know what he wants you doing how he wants you to walk what his precepts are what his commands are what his laws are and then you walk in obedience to them that's what makes a christian because that is what is going to develop that character in you that jesus expects you cannot be a christian unless you are like christ you cannot be a little Christ and be vile. You're full of all kinds of things. How many accusations did Jesus have to face? The only accusations they faced were false. And we all know that. Because, you know, what the, what the Jewish people, what the Jewish council tried to convince um, Herod was that um, Jesus was threatening Pilate's kingdom. Because he said he was a king. Was Jesus interested in a kingdom of this world? So why are you so interested in the things of this world? Why are you so interested in being something in this world? And by saying something, I'm talking about socially. Why? Why are you so interested in all these financial breakthroughs? And you pay no caution to a spiritual breakthrough. And believe me, a spiritual breakthrough is what you need. So you can leave your life of sin and greed. Because you know what the Bible says In Ephesians 5, verse 5, it says, For for all this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So you see, while you're running around wanting to have the best of your best life now, or what's the name of that silly book written by Joel Osteen, Yeah, your best life now or your best life today, I don't know, your best life about what, materially and all that stuff. You're supposed to be, you know, in your own business, running things. You're supposed to have it all because you're a leader, God. And, you know, because you're a leader, God, you're supposed to have the kingdom of this world in your hands. You cannot have the kingdom of this world in your hands. Now, you can be a part of the kingdom of this world subjected to Satan, who is the Prince of this world, a position neither you nor I can take away from him. God gave it to him. Satan is the one. He's in control in the world. But he's not in control of the true Christian. Because we are under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. So we are under the control of Christ Jesus. And that's where we know no goes on to Satan. Not to say that he still won't tempt us or try us. Of course not. That's his favourite pastime harassing believers. But then we overcome him by the blood of our testimony. You see, because we know now who we are in Christ Jesus. We know now that we are the sons of God. So we live our lives in service to God, in obedience to Christ. Christ is Lord. And you see, Satan cannot nudge Christ out of the way to usurp on his lordship of our lives. There's a big difference there. Because also, I mean, I know some churches preach that you don't have to submit to the Lordship of Christ. You know, you have this non-Lordship salvation. They say because, you know, submitting to the Lordship of Christ means you're doing works and we cannot earn salvation. That's a whole load of nonsense. It is heretical. It is rubbish. And it will not get you far. Because the Bible itself says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, I mean, if you choose your church by virtue, you know, the church mm, that you worship in, the fellowship you say I don't say using the word church because otherwise um, I'll be falling into the same kind of snare that everybody falls into thinking a church is the building. No, and it's not. The fellowship meetings you attend, if you've chosen it by virtue of um, the, the, the numbers that are there, you know, sort of vast crowd of followership, whoever following? following. The pastor or the overseer, the said daddy or mummy of the church, or are they following Christ? Because you see, those who follow Christ, they are the ones who walk through the narrow path that they may enter through the small gate that leads to life. They've entered. The gate is so small, the path is so narrow, it's not easily visible. See, it's not easily visible. They are members of the invisible church we've got the visible church. And that's the wide gate and the broad road that leads to destruction. So to the, in the eyes of the world, that's church, that's church that's, that church, that's that church, that's that church. It's got 10,000 members, that's got 50,000 members. That's what they see as church. But in there is no submission to the Lordship of Christ. In there is just a whole bunch of people being financially ripped off. Financially taken advantage of. Financially abused. And who are being led in some destructive heresies which is being touted to them as salvation. Say so Jesus is Lord, that's all. And then you know, you come in there, dance like crazy, go into those frenzies. It's amazing, the social clubs. Got all kinds of clubs going on in there. Young men's business association, young women's this, oh, the daughters of this and the sons of that and all sorts of youth groups and all sorts of things like that that make it all so attractive and make it all so worldly. Just to keep the people interested, you know, the seeker-friendly churches, that is not a part of Christ. There's no reverence in it. There's no true holiness. There's no true submission to the Lordship of Christ. No, it doesn't work that way. You don't come to church to feel good. No, you don't actually, because if you heard a sermon that is truly the word of God, it should sober you up. It should throw into reflective thinking and bring by repentance. Unless, of course, I mean, you don't need to repent because you're a good person. You're perfect in all your ways, in which case I congratulate you. But I also tell you to be wary because um, the Bible says, let him who thinks is standing beware, lest he should fall By whose or by which criteria have you measured your perfection and your goodness? Because Jesus said none is good. Jesus was called good teacher. He said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good and that's the Father. Now if our Lord, perfect as he was, sinless as he was, being God incarnate, could say that even he wasn't good, who are you, O man, to claim that you are good as far as people go? If you measure yourself against yourselves, you will fail. Because you'll always find someone who's worse off than you, one way or the other. And as such, you give yourself a handshake so you and a pat on the back and say, okay, well done, doesn't matter. I obey nine out of ten commandments. <laughs> Some people don't obey any. So, of course, I'm doing well. No, you're not. The Bible says if you break one, one rule, if you stumble at one point, you have stumbled. Sin is sin. Don't bother categorizing it because we can't. Sin is sin. Sin is lawlessness, period. The wages of sin is death. End of story. So, look at you sin and think, oh, that's nothing compared to what that other guy does. <laughs> you, you're self deceiving. You're deceiving yourself. The delusion under which many people work. You know, it's very unfortunate. We're Christians, we're Christians. On what basis are you a Christian? Is Jesus truly Lord of your life? Is he? Or are you a Christian because you're, you, you, know, you go to church, you pay your tithes? You sow your uh, seed offerings all in the uh, quest of um, seeking miracles and breakthroughs. That's what most people give for. Yeah, that's the reason most people give. We don't give for the reason that we're supposed to give. Giving to the church is not so that uh, we can get bigger and better things out of God. Yes, God does say that whatever you give, he'll give you back multiple four. That must not be the basis of your giving because if that is the basis of your giving, you will greet a person and that makes you an idolater because all you think about is your reward and what you're going to get in return and your, your bank account and your wallet. That's what you're thinking about. That makes you an idolater, the Bible said. And as I read before in Ephesians 5.5, 5, it says you've got no, no part in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let me tell you with a biblical given what, it was, what it's meant for. If you look in uh, chap, uh, chapter 4 of Acts, verse 34 says, There were no needy. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money and the, uh, from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Not too many. If any, there are not too many churches today where inordinate amounts of money goes into the church nowadays, is collected, is distributed amongst, amongst the poor of the church. No, the pastor gets, he, he, he just feeds his excessive lifestyle. He is living large. He is living poor, waiting for a miracle and a breakthrough. He continues to sow these empty seeds of faith that God has not requested. He doesn't need anything from us. God needs absolutely nothing from you. He does not need you to give him money before he can bless you. How much did Jacob give God before God made him very wealthy out of nothing? Out of absolutely nothing. He went to Laban his uncle in absolute poverty because he was fleeing. He was fleeing his brother Esau whom he deceived. He came out of there a very wealthy man. And the wages that Laban paid him, don't forget, were his daughters in marriage it wasn't so so much financial. God blessed him. If you read the story of uh, of uh, Jacob, he didn't have to pay God anything, and the Bible says it very very clearly. Acts seventeen from verse twenty four: The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by hands, and He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything, because He Himself gives. All men, life and breath and everything else. So you don't pay for God's favors. You can pay to your pastor for his favors. Good luck to you. But I can tell you, he's only a man like you. He can't do you anything that God will not do for you. Yes, we have to support the the local church. but not with the sort of ridiculous monies that's been demanded of people today. And then you think because of all that you are saved. No, you're not. That does not. Your giving does not make you saved. It doesn't buy you salvation. We're going to continue in this series of True Christianity. We'll continue next time I'm with you. Until such a time, may the Lord be with you and guide your hearts.